The Sports Career Podcast, episode 245, how to improve your mindset when pursuing a career in the sports industry. Hey Sports Achiever, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. I'm your host Ed Bowers. By the way, if you're listening to this episode and thinking about starting a career in the sports industry, I have something for you. I've created a free 40-minute mini course that will teach you how to discover and start your sports career ambition today. Simply visit education2sport.com forward slash MC to get started now and see you there. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in enhancing your mindset when pursuing a career in this fast-paced sports industry. So I hope today's episode can support you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's episode, this week's special guest is David Karasek. David is a former elite swimmer who performed at the 2012 Olympics and currently he's the founder of Tribe of Athletes which is all about bringing together athletes and coaches to really support their journey with regards to their mental greatness. For that reason it's such a pleasure to have David as a special guest on the show and that's when today's episode David will talk about his sports career journey and explain to you methods in how you can improve your mindset when pursuing a career in the sports industry. David, it's such a joy to have you on the podcast show. Please share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Yeah, hey, Ed, thanks for having me. So you want me to share the journey about, about swimming? Did I get that right? Right from the beginning, my man. It could be when you were three years old starting swimming, right from the get-go. <laughs> I wish I remembered, hey, but uh, well, <laughs> yeah, you know like how they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? So my, my dad, he was a swimmer. And um, that's how what I got into quite early. So my dad took my siblings and I, I'm the oldest of three, and they took us to swimming, but they also took us to other sports, uh, which was pretty cool. And I, for example, in tennis, I would throw around the racket when I was losing. So, you know, my parents, I guess they figured swimming is better for him. And I I think it was because I was having fun. So I became a swimmer, but in Switzerland, they... They don't like big dreams here in Switzerland, right? So I had the Olympic gold medal dream when I was a kid. But then what happened was they told me, you know, you get, we go to school. They weren't laughing in my face, but they were making it quite clear that there's other things like school and the job and, you know, lots of other things that are more important than that. So that that dream kind of faded away from me. And, I, you know, they told me not to daydream, not to, you know, be realistic, grow up and make sure I'm all set for the old age and all that, that crap that I heard. And that dream just never came back anymore. And I think that's like the message that I would love to share with people that are listening is like, have a freaking big dream, have one and don't let anybody, you know, take it away from you. Because I, after that, I always thought along the lines until three years ago, when I started to wake up to all this, only what's realistic. 
what I think is realistic for me. David, we'll talk more about dream building, but just going back in time, I'm really intrigued of your dad, like with regards to his love of swimming, what did you learn from him looking back now with regards to the swimming journey in particular? I'm just intrigued on that point. Yeah, I mean, I would just say, you know, like it, it, we had something. I was swimming because I had fun and I was never like I that's why I swim until I was 26 years old, which is you could say it's kind of, you know, a lot of people stop earlier. Right. Or when they're getting out of college, they're like done. But my dad, you know, they, they never forced us to do it, but they gave us motivation when we weren't feeling good. It's like, come on, now we got to go to practice. You only done two or three this week. But it was like a healthy healthy kind of way because i was i was around other people other kids at the time they got money for going to practice from their parents right and you know when when they were like 17 18 other things distractions came right they were like immediately they were out and they were done with swimming because they never really like enjoyed it i think that was really cool that our parents they took us to different sports we got to experience the different atmospheres and then we could choose because my brother he was swimming but he stopped and he went into fighting my sister was swimming and she was very good, but then also stopped and went into dancing ballet and doing other things. So it was our choice, which was awesome. And just on that point, like you've talked about enjoyment quite a lot, just for people, and this is, doesn't have to be related to sport, but looking back now, you said you played tennis. What did you learn from other sports, which made you do the commitment of being an elite swimmer? Yeah, I, I don't think I learned much. <laughs> I don't remember, you know, that's... Ed, you got to imagine, I went through life until I was 30 years old, not really knowing, you know, what is going on. It was like all on autopilot. And I think some things worked out really well and others didn't. And I became frustrated with what didn't, angry, because I didn't know, like, why. I didn't understand any of it. And and so I don't think, like, you know, I, I could tell you from my childhood what, what I learned. I just knew that I liked swimming. I genuinely loved being in the water. I was quite feeling natural and my dad loved it. My, you know, my siblings loved it and we got to travel. So it was like overall a good experience. Um, but I couldn't tell you what I learned. How about when you competed at the 2012 Olympics? There must have been a period of that journey when you went, right, I'm going to commit to this sport thick and thin. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a different thing, right? That was my last four years um, from 2008 to 2012 when I was in, in the States. And that was crazy because there, I guess you learn to control your emotions. You learn to handle pressure. Yeah, that was crazy. I, I'm not going to lie. Like I almost shit my pants before the competition. <laughs> it was bad. It was, I could barely breathe. And you saw all these big shots, you know, you have at the Olympics, you have different call rooms. So usually it's just one call room and then you kind of walk out and you compete. You know, you go closer and closer to the pool, it gets hotter or it feels like it's getting hotter and hotter. You see Michael Phelps, Ryan Lochte, all these, you know, the best of the world. And you just try to stay composed, tell yourself you've been there. Well, I haven't been there before, but similar experience before. And, and I think that's like, you want to, it's very uncomfortable, but the, the moment, but you, that's when you learn the most, you want to hang out in that uncomfortable zone and kind of like take it in. And I think I did a good job at, at, at doing that. And with regards to 2012, because we spoke on WhatsApp uh, a few weeks back when we got connected on LinkedIn. And I said to you that this question, like, what did you take from 2012, which has supported you now from that experience? Yeah. You know, again, at the 2012 Olympics, I wasn't like aware of, of that much. I was still there, you know, to have like fun, to enjoy. But like one of the things that I 
I guess I did learn was that I set my goals what around what was realistic. So if I was Swiss champ, I would say the next year I want to be Swiss champ again because that's realistic. And then I said, okay, I'm going to reach out a bit and say I can make it to the European championships. And I did that. Then I said, okay, I can make it to the world championships. And then I did that. But only make it there, right? Remember, like I, I wasn't thinking in terms of medals or anything. And then, you know, I was kind of close to making the Olympics and my coach came to me and told me, well, how about we go to the Olympics? You're very close. I was like, yeah, why not? And then I did that. And then looking back, you know, I got exactly what I put in my mind. I was like, I want to participate in the Olympics. That's what I, what I thought was realistic for me. And that's what I got. So just on that point with setting realistic goals, you got to be mindful, as you've already mentioned his name, you had Michael Phelps in your sport, which is a bit like Roger Federer and Adal, that intimidation of competing. How important is it to stay in your lane, but be, but also being mindful of other competitors who, you know, are dominating that sport at the time? Yeah, I think, you know, it's about as an athlete, you want to be the best version of yourself. You want to be focused on yourself because in the end of the day, it's not about, I don't think it's about being like the best athlete in the world necessarily it's about it's about our lives right and we're so much more than just an athlete but with the sport if we can learn to become the best version of ourselves we're learning a shit ton about ourselves which then will help us in you know will make our all all other areas of life like really really beautiful right and i think yeah, so I wouldn't even like, you know, I, I was, I knew that Michael Phelps was there, but it never entered my mind to even like, it wasn't about Phelps or Lochte or anybody else. It just, it was me. I was the obstacle. I didn't allow myself to dream big. It didn't matter who was, who else was there. I didn't think, oh, there's Michael Phelps. I can only be second, right? That would have actually been empowering. I just thought for me, what I think I'm worth, what I can do you know, this is making it there. That's what I can. And so that's what I did. And I, yeah, I think that was, that was a mistake. You know, I don't regret it, but if I could go back, that's something I would do differently. So when did you finish swimming? When did you, you know, put the goggles, you know, on the pin out of interest? Yeah. I like about half a year after the Olympics. So I, I was going to do another four years because I thought, damn, I actually thought then I want to be in a final. I want to swim in the afternoon in the final. And, but then I was back in Switzerland and it's not the same as America, like for training in America and college, you have like 70 people on the team, everybody wanted the same thing. And it was, it was, I loved it there. And then I was back in Switzerland and it was more like back to swimming as an individual sport. And I was just not motivated. And I remember I was swimming and just watching, you know, the, can you imagine just watching the bottom of the pool, being bored. <laughs> And then, you know, it went on for a couple of weeks. I struggled. I wrestled with the idea of, you know, calling it quits going on. And I was like, oh, can I really do that? I'm disappointing my coach, my parents, my, myself. I've been doing it for so long. But then, you know, I just knew like it was like a snap on a Friday afternoon after 10 minutes of warm up. I was like, I'm out. I'm not enjoying it anymore. Thank you so much for sharing that. The reason why I asked that question is I, I've had many athletes in the show and there's always the hardship when to not quit as wrong when to move on from your sport and um people are listening in it's just i think it's still an area that needs improvement of how athletes can transition and what to do next may i ask how you've done that transition you know looking back now yeah i, I got lucky if you want because there's somebody who introduced me so i went into banking first and again why banking 
because I did, uh, I, I studied finance and in America already, I was swimming during the summer, right? And all my classmates, they were going to New York and to Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan. I got this internship. I work 80 hours a week, crazy, you know, making money. And I was like, fuck, I have none of that, right? I was just swimming and I thought I got to catch up. That's, that was the program, programming that I had. So I got to catch up. I got to make money, money, money. And so then I got lucky because somebody introduced me into banking here in Zurich. And, and that was kind of like a smooth transition because I had a, like a good job lined up. That was a lot of fun. Um, but I think, yeah, with the, what do you, what, what do you think? Like, what do you hear from athletes? And I mean, you've been in the space for a while. This identity thing is like, it's huge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not an elite athlete, but I, by interviewing like yourself and others, it saddens me when they had their joy and they can't replace it with something else and easy said than done. But I think what I've learned the most, and we'll touch on this because it relates to this week's podcast topic is the mindset. You know, I think that's the hardest thing for the athlete, you know, that they, they retire, but that mindset just changes and it's like that lack of motivation. And I'm the reason why I ask you these questions is I hope the guidance you give to an athlete who's on the broader line of making that decision that it is normal to move on from a sport. It's not like a taboo subject. So that's my answer to your question. That makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. And I, it's about my, my coach in America always said uh, five or six piece proper preparation prevents poor performance. Uh, we said proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. This is the 60s. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like in the end of the day, if you, you know, especially for athletes that are on the way out and that that's just like when you get into sports, you know that, right? Your your career as a professional athlete is somewhat limited just by your, your body. And so it's about, you know, reaching out to people because there's a lot of great people. There's a lot of former athletes. It's not my specialty to help them a transition out of it but i know you know there is a lot of great people with great resources because they struggle with it you know people i mean some of them fall into depression like it's some stories are really bad right absolutely and but just getting to that question what guidance tips would you give to a to an athlete right now on this subject we're talking about i've learned to Trust, like to listen to my intuition, not even like trust, because when we say I have to learn to trust myself, that's just another way of saying, oh, I can only start to listen to the intuition once I trust myself. So there's another barrier. So once I can do that, then I can do this. It's not true. We can listen to the intuition right now. And there's no, there's no one size fits all, but inside of you somewhere, you know, I know, you know, everybody and everybody who's listening, we know it's just, there's so many programs that we have here is like no you can't do that because of this oh no that could happen and all these but inside you know and that's why i'm saying it's so important you gotta get to know yourself you gotta understand yourself and people all over the world say that it's not just athletes it's business people they say you gotta know yourself they say it in the bible know thyself right they say it everywhere and that's what it is you gotta you gotta find out what it is so there's no nobody else can can tell you right we the, the resources are out there and what you'll find is when you know what you want all of a sudden you're going to start to attract these things they're going to come to you it doesn't have to be like hard it can be like easy and i also another point is i think athletes have a huge advantage and i love your thoughts on this with your swimming routine you learn that self-discipline 
So how has self-discipline supported you outside the swimming pool in the current work you're doing? I'm really intrigued on that point because when I work with athletes and they get in that zone, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're out of my zone because it's like what they do if it's kicking a football, kicking a rugby ball, they're just emulating it in a business world. It could be creating more content videos, but they just have that laser focus. Have you applied that element, you know, looking at yourself on this point? Yeah. So that, that's a very good point. And I think like discipline is if we can have these empowering routines every day, we become what we do every day, right? So if we have empowering routines, or if we say, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to go and follow through and do it, it's very, very powerful. And it gets you very far. For me, I had that in swimming, but it was because the team was so good. You know, it wasn't because of me. It was they kick kind of kick my ass. They held me accountable. And I was that's why I loved it in America so much because I, I was just all of a sudden in an environment where they hold you accountable. They actually, you know, they give 100% all the time. I wasn't used to that. And automatically I became better, but I didn't, I wasn't aware of how that, how I, you know, became disciplined. And that's a problem because you can be, and if you don't know how you do something, even though you're doing it well, that means you cannot transfer it to other areas of your life. So that means when you're done with swimming, you have no idea what you were doing. It doesn't mean that you're going to be disciplined in other things, right? Because that was just the programming for swimming. And that, I, I, so that, that was me. I had no idea. That meant I wasn't disciplined. And, you know, you could say, oh, I, you know, for example, with drinking, you can just, just have two. That doesn't work for me. Like you would say you, you should be able to do that. And it doesn't. So, I had to learn that. I had to learn what discipline is, how you can program it, how you can develop habits. And once I knew that, then I, then I was empowered. And now I can do it in all areas of life. But I, man, I, I wish I, you know, I didn't. <laughs> hey, I wish I knew I was 21 in podcasting and having that discipline back then. But look, you said something key already in this conversation. When you hit 30, things started to open up that you knew yourself better. And I want to talk about, you said earlier about dream building. I don't know if you knew, but so Richard Branson got into space yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, but he, with his new, know, no, no, he got his new uh, ship into space. And he literally said, um, you know, dreams are possible because he had a question 35 years ago in an interview where, so Richard, are you going to get into space? And he accomplished that dream. What is your definition of achieving a dream? Because it can be a bit airy-fairy, you know what I mean, this term, achieving a dream, but what does it really mean to you in a practical sense? Yeah. Look, when you, when you think about everything that is not grown by Mother Nature, and I, I see, you know, like we're using the same microphone, boom here, microphone, headphones, stool, clothes, everything existed as an idea, as a thought, as a fantasy, as a dream first. And then with time, we moved that stuff. We, we moved it from an idea into physical form, right? Steve Jobs had a great idea with the smartphone. Now we're using iPhones and all that. So like, it was just an idea. And Michael Jordan or the Wright brothers or Richard Branson, they had a dream. It was just a dream to like fly, to be in space, to be the best basketball player, just a thought. And then with time, okay, not overnight, with time, because big dreams take time, the universe has to arrange itself and so on. And you have to develop the skills that you need to do that. But it's like with time, you move it into physical form because that's the power that the human beings, we have this. Animals can't do that. Animals can't move thoughts into physical things, but we can do that. 
And I think that's what it is. It's like having a dream so big that you have no idea how you're going to get there. And when they say, and I started to understand this only recently when they say, have you heard of, if your dream doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I believe this is what, what they mean is like, it's scary because you have no freaking clue how you're going to get there. And that is scary because it's not in your control and it takes courage to, it's kind of a leap of faith, kind of like the bungee jump that I told you about, right? It's like you, you have to have the faith in yourself, in things to work out in your team or whatever it is that, you know, you, you, and that's what a leader is. It's like, do you really want it? You make a decision. If it's a yes, you go for it. And that's the only answer. You don't have to plan out everything. That's why as a leader, you can make a fast decision because all you have to know is, do I really want it? And then the how you figure it out. And that's, that's how you can make a committed decision, a fast decision. And it's not like, you know, all the pluses and the minuses and what could go wrong and this and that. It's like a big dream. You have no idea how you're going to get there. And I think that's, that's what it is. It's like, you have to be okay with that uncertainty. And that's exactly how I think you're going to grow because it's very uncomfortable not knowing how you, because we always want to know. Absolutely. And with regards to that uncertainty, do you think it's fear that stops us? Yeah. Yeah. But like, look, this is, we, we are so good. We human beings, or at least where I, I was growing up and we, I am very good at, but learning to change that is what is worry? Worry is the misuse of imagination. So we are very good at going and running through all these possibilities that could happen that are on the negative side and then come up with why we're not going to go ahead, right? all kinds of but we're not so good at looking at what could go right like we cannot usually we default to worry instead of the possibility and that is something that we're just at least i'm just wired to do i know my mom is wired to it and and so it's something that we can change though we can rewire ourselves to look for the opportunity and so on and to not go into into the worry track. And I think with the athletes, it's about the same. There is one emotion, which is excitement. And then it's your choice if you use it to focus more, get more out of you and actually get better than you've ever been. Or if the excitement comes up and it's like almost too much and it goes towards fear, worry, pressure, and then you're not the best version of yourself, right? But it's the same emotion, that fear. I told you with the bungee jump, it's coming. You know it's safe. But that fear when you're there, it's like, I couldn't stop my legs from going like that, right? From like shaking. I couldn't. I try to be like a tough, you know, but I couldn't. And then it's still, you still just go. And, and yeah. So with that bungee jump example, what actually happened, by the way, when you did actually fall, what was going through your mind? Nothing, man. Nothing. <laughs> I was just happy when I was down. I was like clapping. I, I mean, it was, it was you know. It was amazing. It was 230 meters down, and um, but it was over so fast. Right? I wish I would do it again in a heartbeat. If it, if it was there, I would go right again. This is beautiful. Awesome. The reason I say that, Will Smith did a video of uh, jumping out of plane, and he said the same thing when he jumped. There's this beautiful feeling when you hit that fear before jumping, and then you do, and it's like this time slows down. And that's why I asked you that, because it means you've taken the fear, that leap, but actually it's not as bad as you think. And he still landed and he's still here. Um, what a wonderful conversation. I could take this anywhere now. 
But I really want to get to today's podcast topic. We talked about it already with regards to our mindset, but just for people who want to pursue a career in sport in general, it could be an athlete, could be a student who wants to work with athletes or anywhere. Why is our mindset important with regards to pursue a career in this industry related to your experience? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I believe I've come to believe, and it's been my experience that literally everything starts in the mind. So like, I think it's, it's everywhere that you go. And, and it's something that honestly, we don't learn about in school because I mean, you're an entrepreneur who told you about how to make money. Myself. <laughs> well, yeah. Yourself, in regards right? to digitalization. Yeah. With regards to digital business myself. Yeah. Okay. So I, I went to normal school. I've never heard about, they never teach you, taught me anything about how to make money. They don't, they didn't teach us about confidence, for example. They didn't teach us about relationships, for example, right? So there's a lot of things that are so, so important for life that they didn't teach us in school. And I was kind of growing up thinking that school, that was like my idea that, okay, if it's not covered in school, then, well, I guess it's not important or we don't need that or whatever, right? But I never heard of quantum physics like this. This is the new field in physics now that is looking at the smallest, like the energies that are, everything is energy. Everything is a vibration. And now that quantum physics is coming in and they can prove things that have, that, that humanity has intuitively known for thousands of years, right? And they can prove these things, which is actually cool because a lot of people believe in science or they need well i believe in science but they a lot of other people they're not that are not spiritual they say if i don't see it in a scientific paper i don't believe it and now with quantum physics you know like what einstein was saying spooky things in the spooky action in the distance and all like these things are coming together and with the mindset the law of attraction it's so if you know what you want and you're sending out those thoughts and those feelings out in the universe it will arrange itself for you and that's something, I, you know, I think this is so, so beautiful because there is these laws like take gravity. Gravity is very easy for us human beings to become aware of because when we fall on our ass, it hurts. We experience it with the five senses. But it, like imagine a cliff, right? If there's a cliff, it goes down 220 meters, bungee jump. If you and I stand on that platform, we know we got to be careful. If we take one more step, we're going to fall and we're going to die. But you put a baby that's crawling on that platform, it will continue to crawl and fall right down because it doesn't know what gravity is yet. It hasn't become aware of gravity yet. But it, it cannot miss it because when it falls, it hurts. So it, we're, it's easy for us to become aware of gravity. But there's other laws like the law of attraction, the law of vibration, things that are going on that we cannot see, not hear, not feel, right? And just because we cannot experience them with the five senses doesn't mean that they're not existing. And it, it, gravity works if you believe in it or not. Gravity works if you're a good person or not. It just, it's just a law. And it's the same with these law of attraction that when you're sending out vibes, you're attracting vibes on the same frequency. And if you believe in it or not, it doesn't matter. You, you know, it, and, and so I'm saying it would be good to learn about these laws because then once you know what they are, you can be in harmony with them and work with them instead of being in the dark or even have them working against you. And I think that's why you got to get into mindset. 
Absolutely. And the reason you've just triggered a few things with regards to Einstein, how he discovered the speed of light, it was all through a thought experiment and then he proved it. So it relates to what we were saying earlier with visualizing a dream. For him, it's visualizing a theory. And the second point, the law of attraction is, I don't know if you know this quote, Jim Rowan, you're the average of five people, which is the same sort of thing. If you connect with similar people, like let's use us as an example. When you connect me on LinkedIn, I sent you an audio message and then you sent me one back and then a video message. And we just had this positive vibes with regards to what you do and what I'm doing, it's the same sort of thing as that law of attraction in regards to not just with regards to our careers, but the people we communicate with. So I'm trying to put the practical sense in careers that it's all about building the network, communicating, and these laws are integrated with our daily habits. Look, man, David, this is some cool conversation. Just bring it back to your career now. What inspired you to set up Tribe of Athletes? Like just paint the picture to the listeners. What's all about? What's the vision behind this? Yeah. So the vision behind is, is that I have come to appreciate, to know that each one of us has wisdom and very, very valuable experiences locked up inside of us, every one of us. And inside of the tribe of athletes, it's what we do is we bring together athletes and coaches and now also new some selected former athletes that are in the sports industry now and we bring them together in a in a community to you know learn from each other so it's not just learning from me uh and by the way i'm learning from my mentors and all that right it's i'm not coming up with all that knowledge i'm just like putting my my personal spin on how i i teach and get the material across because i think i have a cool angle but law of attraction is like you know, it's been here for thousands of years, right? It's just like cool to combine it with the angle from, from an athlete. But yeah, we bring them together. And that's what we found is so valuable when the, when the people inside learn from each other, because it's on me to create an environment where the athletes and the coaches feel safe. But when they do, and they, you, you couldn't believe, you know, we had um, an Olympic champ in triathlon share her self-doubt that comes up and you know, when you hear that from an Olympic champ, you're like, wow, so I'm completely normal. You know, you, you start to feel like everybody has these problems, issues, whatever it is, you know, we, it's normal. And it's not about eliminating them. It's not about fighting them. It's about learning to handle them. Embracing. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's what we're all, that's what, that, that's what we're doing at the Tribe of Athletes. It's mastering the journey to mental greatness together. And one point I want to mention, you've used mentor a few times, and I'm a big believer in having a mentor. Why is having a mentor important and how has it influenced your career journey? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had mentors, thank God, throughout, but sometimes I didn't pick them, right? But thank God I had them. They kind of came to me, which is beautiful. And what I think, look, if, if I'm here and with my level of awareness and somebody else is here, right? It's like for them, it's easy to see what's going on here because they've been here and they've walked the journey. So they understand all the thoughts and the feelings and the struggles they understand. But I, when I look up, I have no idea. I'm like, wow, I wish I could be like that guy. How did he do it? Oh, that, oh, that works for him. Oh, it's like crazy. He was lucky. And it's like, whoa, magic. But when you, when you're here and you're asking, that doesn't make that person better. It just makes them a bit more advanced in that area of what they're doing, right? It doesn't make them better. It doesn't make you a better person. If you know how to cook, if you know how to do podcasts, it doesn't make you a better person. You don't have more value. It's just, you know, something a bit better. 
And then you ask that person, and that usually what we find is that the person here loves to help help these people because if you're not a psychopath, you know what I'm talking about. It feels good to empower other people. And that's like a bit of the paradox that I see is that the people that are here often are reluctant to ask up here. And it, yeah, it's a bit of a paradox, but that's why one of the skills that I try to teach in the tribe of athletes is learn how to ask, learn to ask, because I mean, that skill is, is one of the, would you agree, right? It's one of the best you have. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also two way. There's asking, but adding value back. That's my philosophy. Add value, add value, then ask. Like, And that's how I've had so many people on this show. I ask, but I always want to make sure it adds value to the special guests, like you, for example, you know, right right now. But look, David, just uh, going back to your career now, we've spoken on so many different topics. I hope people are enjoying and taking notes. What have you enjoyed the most from your career journey looking back right now when you're a kid with your dad swimming? You know, what have you learned? Oh man, I, I mean, definitely the the last couple of months. It, it's just, it's been, you know, that that journey of once you start to wake up to the power of of the mind. It's it's uh, it's never ending, and but I do think that it, it starts to go exponentially almost because in the beginning you learn about the concepts and you you're like still unsure and you, you try really hard to, or at least I tried really hard. You know, one of my uh, I have like that belief I'm not good enough. So I always have to do more. And it's like with force and, you know, and, and you learn to kind of, you know, take it easy to be guided and so on. And that's what I've been learning in the last months. And oh, things have been coming together really, really well with, with the business. But for me, right. I'm for me, it's a business now, but I'm also, I have my mentors and I, there I'm still a student and it's just like doing all these things together, like learning teaching empowering it's really beautiful and i would say definitely the highlight the last couple of months um been rewarding just on that point talk about the rewarding aspect how important have you learned to be patient as well yeah out of interest i mean you tell me right as a business owner you always think okay i want this i want it now i want this i want it now right and then you're like okay that took longer than i thought no, that's cool. The reason why I say this is a lot of people want that internship now, want that first job now. And sometimes, it, as you say, you got to let the universe, you've got to build that rapport with people. So I would just love your insight of, you know, the patience element that you've just mentioned just then, how it's part of the process. That's all. Definitely. It's huge. And it's happening all the time, right? Things come in later, the deadlines later, and less people in the program. I don't know. It happens all the time. But what I think is important is that Two things, stick with the end result, tune into the end result. Don't get sidetracked by something that's not working. Stick with the end result that you really want. And then also build a habit to look at what's working instead of looking, oh, I only got 200 views on YouTube on that video. Oh, I got only a hundred clicks on this or I made zero money on that. And then you just look at what's working. Look at the progress because there is some progress. You're learning something, even though sometimes, you know, I do a live and there's like three people watching, but it's not a problem because I'm learning. I'm here. Okay. There's not a lot of people watching because maybe there's something else going on. That's more, I don't know, better or cooler, whatever, but I'm learning because I'm live. I'm, 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 I'm delivering content. So just look at, look at the small steps. Cause that's what it is. Like success is, yeah, it doesn't come overnight. It's not, it's not a, 
know. It's doing the reps, my man. And talking about your your lives, especially on LinkedIn, and hats off to you, because I do see them on LinkedIn. Whenever I can, I try and promote the best I can as well, mine. But what are your lives about so people can tune in? Is it just on LinkedIn or is it on YouTube as well? Like, where do you stream your lives and how can people watch them? Yeah, so I, I use a tool called StreamYard. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yeah, so that streams like to Facebook, to LinkedIn, and to YouTube. And we do on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock UK time. Uh, every Tuesday at 8 o'clock, we do a 30-minute like a mindset session where I usually just, um, because it's one way, it's streaming. It's not like on Zoom, like you and I, that we can go back and forth. So it's like, it's just like a content download. And sometimes we do some question and answers. But yeah, it's a good way to listen, tune in and see, you know, like what this is all about. It's like, it's, yeah, we do it every week. And it's about consistency as well, as you know, with the podcast, same thing, I assume, right? Oh yeah, do the reps. Yeah, you just got to keep, keep turning up, sticking to your medium. I hope people are taking notes on content creation, but you've, you've highlighted it. And, I, and whenever I see you on LinkedIn, I'm like, I always, anybody who creates content consistently, it's part of it. Like consistency is queen and king, period. It, as you say, it's not about the likes at the beginning. It's just getting and finding your vibe as well. And you're doing it so well. So look, before I forget, all those links will be on my podcast notes where people can connect just on your lives um, on that. But before we wrap up, I do have one final question. It's an inspirational question. What three tips would you give to the listeners right now so they can improve their mindset with regards to their day-to-day routine? Okay. Yeah. Good one. So the number one thing that really, look, what, what we have to understand is, and, and not worry about the details, how it works. You'll find that out if it interests you, right? You'll, you'll find that. But that we have a mechanism, a goal, goal searching mechanism inside of us that when we have a goal, that it will help us, our subconscious mind will help us to get to that goal. It's like it's, it's happening automatic, right? You have, for example, with, your, with our weight. We have an image of ourselves, what we think, what we should weigh, plus minus. And that, if you go over that, all of a sudden, something will tell you, hey, you got to lose weight and it's, it's going to be easy to lose it. And when you get too skinny or you know, lose too much, it's like something comes on and says, hey, you gotta, you're like way too low and it's easy to, to gain it back, right? So that's, and that works with our goals as well. So the number one thing is you need to know what you want. And I know it sounds very simple, but a lot of people, they don't have, right? They don't have, they don't know what they want. And if they know it's like vague and it's, it's, it's not on paper. And so, so what I would say, number one is that you spend time five or 10 minutes a day, just close your eyes in the beginning and just imagine what you want. And if there's nothing, make it up like, because somewhere inside of you, it is. So I would do that. I would literally, it's so simple, but it's so cool because yeah, a lot of people don't do it. And in imagination, when you think about it, haven't you had that when you're like sitting in a chair or on the couch and you're like quite relaxed and you're thinking back and it's like, damn, 10 years ago, I was imagining this and now it's a reality. Yeah. So it's like, it's like the skill we can look into our future basically with the imagination. So I would really start with that. And then also number two, I would start to write it down in present tense. So don't like I will, or, you know, use future tense. Just bring that possibility that you see in the future, bring it into the present and write it down in present tense, what you see, you know, as vivid as you can, write it down, take 10 minutes a day and just write. Um, And then the third thing would be to speak to yourself in the mirror, 
but not like not like bullshit affirmations. You know, I, I say bullshit. If I think I'm ugly and I say, okay, I'm going to change it now. And I'll tell, tell myself in the mirror, I, David, you're pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty, you're looking good. My subconscious goes bullshit. If you really felt that way, you wouldn't say it, right? So what, what I would do is like, I would just like distill what you get from the writing and from your imaginations into a sentence or two. Like, I'm so happy and grateful now that, and you describe it what it is and you tell yourself in the mirror and you like look yourself in the eye and you try to find that fire inside of you that lights you up. There's like, wow, I really, that really makes me feel happy if I already had it. And you just tell yourself a couple of times and look in your eyes and see what your eyes is, you know, you, you'll see like this, this fire inside. I love this exercise. It's very, it's a bit creepy if you have other people in the household and you're like, you know, at the beginning, I had to close my bathroom door and like, cause I was feeling like, well, oh, they're, they're like judging me now. I don't give a shit. Now I'll just stand there and I, I say it cause it feels really good and empowering. That sounds amazing. It's like finding your eye of the tiger, my man. Like that third one. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I hope the people have enjoyed those three tips. There's a few I may have to give it a go as well. Emphasizing, I love the third one in particular. How can people interact with you online, David? Yeah, I think the easiest is uh, we try to put everything on our website, which is thetribeofathletes.com. And then, um, yeah, it's Tribe of Athletes also on Instagram. So, you know, we're on all the platforms and um, can reach out anywhere. It'd be lovely. Awesome. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website related to this blog post. David, it's been such a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Ed. You're a wonderful host. What a fabulous podcast chat with David, and I really do hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. For me, there's so many takeaways, but getting back to today's podcast topic, without a doubt, our mindset has such an influence and impact with the gospel sports career development. Like I really enjoyed David's honesty, where he explained it was only till he was 30, he really got to know himself more. And it goes to back to one of his tips right at the end of knowing what you want. So pre-30, when he was doing his swimming career, competing in the Olympics, I loved his mindset about goal setting being really specific to his goals and not taking sort of any discouragement with regards to his competition, like Michael Phelps, he just focused on what he can control and just enjoy the experience, for example, being at 2012. For me, this is what career development's about. It's only when I listen to people like David and other people on the show relating to their career journey that there is a process. But it comes down to like the first step in knowing what you want. And I can really tell now that David's in line in what he wants to do with regards to tribe of athletes and helping them from a mindset perspective on and off the sports field. So have you, I hope you've got a better understanding the power of our mindset. Like honestly, is a topic that I've been exploring throughout my career development, how to be better with my emotions, how to get better with dealing with adversity, how to get better with fear. Like another story I enjoyed from this was his bungee jump you know, of how he just was out of his comfort zone. But when he'd done it, it was fine. And he was pumped up and he said he'll do it again. This is what development's all about. And look, with regards to those career tips at the end, really put in those exercises, particularly with visualization in what you want to achieve. Put it into practice today and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. David said, everything starts in the mind. You need to have the imagination first in your mind in what you want to achieve. And then with patience and action, 
it will become a reality.